You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And we are two writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and we've been covering the Chargers now for six seasons during our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly during the season. I also write for the LA Football Network, but this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Well, no Twitter Tuesday for you guys today, but we have a lot to talk about, especially starting with a big trade that happened in the NFL on Monday with Sam Darnold heading to the Carolina Panthers. But before we get into all of that, first, let me just thank everyone who is checking the show out for the first time. We really appreciate that. And also another special thank you to all of our loyal fans checking back in with us again. Make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from if you don't already to keep up with the daily format. But besides the big trade and the impact of that on what's going to happen for the Chargers in the draft, specifically revolving around what that means for tackles falling to the Chargers at 13. In the second segment, we'll be getting into Oregon's Pro Day and talk about how the Chargers have officially met with not only Panay Sewell, and he talked about you know playing with Justin Herbert, but also safety Javon Holland, who opted out of the 2020 season and is someone that could potentially make sense for the Chargers. We'll get into what we think about him in the second segment. And then to wrap up the show, Daniel Popper came out with an article talking about the Chargers either going offensive tackle in round one and cornerback in round two or flip-flopping that and doing it the other way around and kind of just laying the landscape of what should be available for each of those situations. So we'll get into that to wrap up the show, but let's go ahead and get into it. One of the moves that shook the NFL offseason on Monday was that the Jets finally agreed to trade away Sam Darnold, the former you know top three pick in the draft, to the Carolina Panthers according to Adam Schefter, for a 2021 sixth-round pick and second- and fourth-round picks in 2022 per sources. So this is something that, you know, why is this on the Lockdown Chargers podcast? Well, I'll make it pretty simple for you. Now there is a team picking in the top eight, which is where the Carolina Panthers select at eight, that probably isn't going to draft a quarterback now and also has a big deficiency at left tackle. So this muddies things a little bit because, In a dream scenario, David, the Carolina Panthers would be taking a quarterback with the eighth pick because we know that the more quarterbacks taken before the Chargers pick at 13, the better. Now, it seems much more likely that they will be one of the teams that could vie for, you know, either Rayshon Slater or Panay Sewell and make the Chargers' chances of getting those guys a little bit less. Yeah, if I'm the Carolina Panthers, it's Panay Sewell, come on down. I mean... Especially after trading for a quarterback, they obviously a quarterback's best friend besides a wide receiver is a left tackle. I mean, and they have a huge deficiency there after Russell Okung uh, is no longer their starter over there. So the likelihood of them taking a tackle now seems to me like it's 100%. Unless somebody trades in front of them, unless they take another quarterback, which, I mean, it's not unheard of. Although they did say they were going to pick up Sam Darnold's fifth-year option. So they're guaranteed to have him for a couple of years at least. So I, I don't think they're going to go out there and get a quarterback. They absolutely could, but I sincerely doubt it based on the trade compensation they had to give up to get Sam Donald in the first place. 
But yes, I think the likelihood of that dream scenario of having Panay Sewell or even Rayshon Slater get to pick 13 seems a lot less likely. Yeah, and I mean, and that's if Panay Sewell would have even gotten to them at eight anyways. I mean, there's a good chance that he could be taken by the Cincinnati Bengals to protect Joe Burrow. There's a chance that the Falcons could decide to take him because their offensive line is decimated, but then they would have to pass up, you know, on one of the crazy offensive skill position players that's still going to be there at that point. So there's a lot of teams that potentially could, you know, take those guys. But in this scenario, you know, if Carolina is the first team to take an offensive lineman and both of those guys are still available at that pick, then it gets really interesting, David, just because the next few picks are kind of wild cards in my eyes. I mean, the pick after them is the Denver Broncos, who Many are slating to take one of the top cornerback options. And then after that is the Cowboys, who many people also think will take a cornerback. But either one of them, I guess, in theory, could take left tackle. I mean, Garrett Bowles for Denver is a really good left tackle. I doubt they're trying to take that position. But the Cowboys could definitely take an offensive lineman if their draft history, you know, is any kind of representative sample of what they could potentially do this season. And then with the 11th pick, the Giants could potentially take an offensive tackle at this point because Andrew Thomas did not work out for them last season. And then after that, you have the Philadelphia Eagles who have a pretty decimated roster and could decide to go a lot of different directions with that pick. So I think now, David, it's like, okay, if you want to get one of those top two guys, we knew there was a chance that you might have to trade up. But now you know at this point, okay, if only one of those guys is gone by eight, maybe it's a much more manageable situation where you could try to trade up to get the leftover remaining guy. Yeah, and you can't mortgage the farm because there are multiple positions that need to be addressed in this NFL draft. It's not just tackle. Yes, tackle is the biggest need right now. No question about it. But they also need a corner. They need a pass rusher. They need safety. They need several other things. So they can't just sell everything to get Sewell or or Slater. But if one of those guys are available at that position, I think making a trade is a lot more likely. I think it, it's definitely something that is much more possible at that point to where you're not having to get rid of all of your picks, and that way you can still address some needs this year. Also, you can try to use some picks from next year as well. If you're kind of banking on yourself, if, they, if the Chargers believe they're going to play very well, that could turn into a late first-round pick as well. So I think it makes it much more realistic if that's how things play out. I mean, obviously the Chargers want as many quarterbacks taken as possible for this scenario to be a possibility. But yes, I mean, I wouldn't mind it if those two guys are still there at that position, Daniel. I, I think depending on what it would take, I think you got to pull the trigger. Well, you want an immediate upgrade this season. And I just think that's the biggest thing. We'll get into that more later on is just can you trust the guys that are going to be available if you don't take a tackle at 13 or if you don't end up getting one of those guys? Are you getting a no doubt about it day one starter and are you getting good value for that pick. So, I mean, whether it's, you know, Tevin Jenkins or Christian Derrissaw, I mean, people aren't even really considering Elijah Vera Tucker a tackle prospect anymore at this point. And, I mean, for the Chargers, it's hard to know if they do as well. So, if it's Christian Derrissaw or, you know, one of the top corners once it gets to 13, that's what makes it such a tough decision. And we'll get into all of those scenarios to wrap up the show going along with Daniel Popper's article about what the situation will look like if the Chargers decide to go corner or offensive tackle in the first round. But we do have to get into a couple of Oregon prospects that said that they met with the Chargers. We're going to do that coming up right after this. 
But first, I need to tell you guys that the official betting sponsor of the Locked On Chargers podcast is BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football may be over, but the NBA and the NHL and the MLB are all in full swing. And BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline has real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. So if a bet's not going well, maybe you see if there's any good in-game bets so that you can try to change your fate and make some money off of that pick. But BetOnline has you covered for all the news news, scores, and odds, and it's the best place to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. All you have to do is head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On, that's free money to bet with at betonline.ag. Really spice up the way that you watch sports and get some free money to bet with at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. So obviously the Chargers have some interest in Oregon prospects. A couple of them now have met with the Chargers. The first one obviously is Panay Sewell and the Chargers, of course, would be interested and would take him in a heartbeat if he even landed at 13 but the other one was Javon Holland, who didn't play in the 2020 season. He decided to opt out. So we now know both of those guys have met with the Chargers. There's also Thomas Graham that could be an option for the Chargers later on in the draft as well. But let's start with Panay Suwo because obviously it doesn't seem likely unless the Chargers pull off a blockbuster trade that they're going to have a chance at him. But he was asked about how he would feel getting to play with his former quarterback and Justin Herbert when they were both at Oregon. And he said it would be a dream come true. And he said he is interested. And I mean, I don't think there's many things the Chargers could do better in this draft than linking those two up again, even though it's highly unlikely to happen. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we all have said many times on this show that Panay Suo would be absolutely incredible protecting Justin Herbert's blind side. And even Panay Suo said, hey, it would, been, it would be a really good experience for me. I mean, the bond that I have, the the brotherhood that I have with Justin Herbert is something I'm going to keep with me forever from the time that we spent at Oregon. But yeah, I mean, that would be a dream scenario to, for the Chargers to link up with Panay Sewell. I mean, just look at his body of work. I, I think he's just dominant as a pass protector. He's a road grader as a run blocker as well. I think he's a very intelligent player, and he's just played at a high level against high-level competition the entire time. I mean, I just don't think there's very many weaknesses in his game. So, you know, generational talents at the at the tackle position do not come around very often. And that is, to me, that's exactly what Panay Sewell is. And there was a time in the Chargers season before they ended up winning those four straight games to end the year that we thought he was kind of in the bag for the Chargers. And we thought they were getting him pretty much no matter what. And a lot of things have changed since then. But yeah, I mean, they'd be interested. And I mean, by the day, it seems more unlikely that it could actually happen. But the more interesting thing I took away from those press conferences, and most of these notes came from Chargers, Homer, and Fernando Ramirez, who were in the Zoom calls asking questions. But it was said that Javon Holland met with the Chargers and talked with Derwin James, which I thought was an interesting touch. Maybe some, you know, respect for each other there, definitely. But I do think this is a very interesting prospect. It's another guy that hasn't played in the last season, just like Panesuel, both of these guys opted out of the 2020 season, and we only have tape from 2019 or before that for all of these guys. And this is a guy that before he opted out, David, was definitely a top safety prospect. Now it seems like people are starting to remember him again. He's starting to kind of climb up the boards as potentially, you know, a late second, mid second, or third round pick. It's going to be interesting to see there. But 
just as a prospect, when you turn the film on to look at this latest guy that the Chargers have met with, what did you see? Yeah, I mean, turning on the tape and looking at Javon Holland, the six foot one, two hundred and one pound safety. I mean, I don't know if it's exactly exactly fair to call him a safety, just because he played many different positions, and I think that's the first thing that sticks out is. Yeah, he played safety single high, but he also played split uh, in the nickel a lot. He played up in the box, sometimes in run support. They moved him all all over the place. He was definitely one of those new age, versatile type of defensive backs. He's not a safety. He's a defensive back because they use him in so many different ways. Great coverage ability, nine interceptions in his college career, five his, uh, his freshman year for his sophomore year so pretty consistent uh, as far as that's concerned taking away the football unfortunately some of the negative things for javon holland is very susceptible to the double move and that's really because he's very aggressive and that aggressiveness i I think they try to kind of target from time to time with the double move and unfortunately he bites a little bit too often if he gets in front of some good coaching coaches that can help him recognize that a little bit better and not bite I, i think you have a really really good prospect here i mean a lot of good skills to to work with daniel and, uh, I mean, this would be a great pick. Definitely has the ball skills, like you talked about, nine interceptions, which were tied for the third most in the FBS over those two years, which he did that. I mean, nine picks in two years is obviously great ball skills and comes with that aggressiveness, right? Like, you're probably not getting all those picks if you're not so aggressive. Also had 20 passes defense as well. But that obviously can lead to some big plays against you as well. And I think, as we've seen with some other players the Chargers have drafted, Sometimes it's better to get, you know, an overly aggressive player than to get somebody who is not super aggressive and you have to try to turn that on, right? I mean, when you have to tell someone Definitely to Definitely would prefer back, more aggressive, right? Yeah, and the other thing that we talked about, too, is it could potentially bring some special teams value as a punt returner, too, averaging 15.3 yards per return in the two seasons that he did it with Oregon. So there would definitely be some value there and it just depends on what that value is going to cost because I think you know I like him as a tackler that aggressiveness has you know forced him to miss some tackles too but did have four and a half tackles for loss in the last season that he played and I think that you know all around he's a pretty good safety prospect but it's obviously not the Chargers biggest need I mean it is a need for them for sure but it just becomes you know is he good enough to take in the second round and kind of ignore the need that you have at either corner or offensive tackle. If you didn't get one of those guys in the first round and is he going to make it to the third round? Maybe not. Yeah, I think that's definitely how the way I see it. I mean, at at 47, I think it's definitely a little bit too rich. Um, And because there's other needs and there are going to be players at those positions of need at 47, most likely that I would prefer the chargers to take, but I mean, that's kind of have to, I feel like that's going to have to be where you take him because I don't think he's going to get to 77. So it's either you take him there and, and reach or you hope he gets to 77 or you trade up to get him. But that's really the only scenarios in which that's going to happen. I mean, the only way that he is wearing lightning bolts is if the Chargers make a trade, in my opinion. And I think there's some safeties I'd be okay with bringing in later on if the Chargers wanted to not target that in the second round is the best way I could put it, because I do like him. I don't think he's the type of talent that, you know, you mortgage any of the future over to potentially get back in the second round when you're picking at 77 or, you know, move up to try to get him. But I definitely like what I've seen, and I definitely think that even if you got him there, I mean, he'd probably be a higher pick had he played in 2020. But that's the thing, like, he could have came out in 2020 and played bad, right? So we don't really know what version of him we would have gotten 
But had he progressed, had he stayed on that same trajectory with that athleticism, he scored a 9.47 in the relative athletic scoring. So he's definitely athletic enough to play the position as well. So you're getting a top-tier athlete. You're getting a guy that showed some good instincts, good tackling ability. But what is it going to cost? And I think that, unfortunately, it might be too rich for what the Chargers would be willing to give up. But for a guy we hadn't talked about, definitely a prospect that I like. I mean, he's a guy that I would like if he was on the Chargers. I just don't think I would like the cost that it would be to actually bring him in to do that. But we do have one more segment to get into, kind of concerning all of these topics, because we're going to get into Daniel Popper laying out the landscape of what happens if the Chargers take an offensive tackle or a corner in the first round and the difficulties that that brings with it coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys, if there's ever any type of auto part that you need, there's only one place to go, and that's rockauto.com. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money, and I think we can all get behind that. I mean, not only is it so convenient on rockauto.com, you just go in and type the type of car you have, and you will make it very easily to the part that you need, but you're also going to get the best price. Whether you're a daily driver or a mechanic, you're going to get the same price, and now you're getting what you need without having to go out to the store to get it, and you know you're getting the best price as well. And I think for me, I mean, convenience and saving money are the top two things I'm looking for when I'm trying to find auto parts. RockAuto.com has all of that covered. All you have to do is go to RockAuto.com right now to see all the parts they have available for your car or truck and write Locked On in there. How did you hear about us, box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, well, once again, we find ourselves in the offseason looking for content. And once again, our good friend Daniel Popper over the Athletic has come through with us. And we're not going to spend a whole show on one of his articles today, but. I think he brought up a really good article, David, just because this is something we've been kind of struggling with, right? And basically, the what his article is on TheAthletic.com, it's definitely worth you guys checking out if you have the subscription for it, is what happens if the Chargers go cornerback in the first round? And what does it look like, you know, once that second round pick comes around and who are the guys left over and vice versa. And I think the interesting thing here, David, is like even Daniel Popper in this puts, I think the Chargers should take a left tackle because right now, not only is Trey Pipkins probably the projected starter at left tackle, Brian Bulaga, who has obviously a big injury history and only has two years left on his contract, you know, isn't the long-term answer at that position. But things get a lot blurrier if you don't have Rayshon Slater or if you don't have Panay Suwal there. Because I think the, the picks that I would see the Chargers going with, David, before we get into, you know, what it looks like in the second round, I think that if Panay Suwal, Rayshon Slater, J.C. Horn, or Patrick Sertan II are there with the 13th overall pick and the rest of those three guys are not, that's going to be the decision they make. Yeah, I mean, because you don't know what the Chargers board looks like. I mean, you don't know what players they have rated above others. So if those two tackles, Penesuo and Rayshon Slater, are the only tackles that have a 13th overall grade in the first round, then they might very well go corner. And then you really have to entertain. And also for me personally, it seems like, I mean, the, the, the closer we get to the draft, the more and more I am okay with the Chargers entertaining tackle in the second round just because of how volatile the draft is. I mean, if they don't have a corner or a tackle that's rated 
for uh, you know that slot in the first round for them to take, then they they very well might address it later. But I think Daniel Popper is very right when he says either way, these two positions need to be addressed in the first or second round respectively and no other place. Yeah, I mean, and that makes the Chargers predictable, right? Which is something that we didn't want to see with them going into this draft. And Daniel Popper pretty much said at this point, he only expects the Chargers to make depth signings special team signings, things like that, not starting caliber players at this point in the offseason. And Tom Telesco has proven us wrong with that before. I mean, he's had some pretty late signings in free agency, but as the draft gets closer in a couple of weeks, these are two gigantic holes that you feel like you have to cover in the first two rounds. So the first situation that he lays out here is if the Chargers take an offensive tackle in the first round and they end up getting, you know, Panay Suel or they end up getting Rayshon Slater. That's the best case scenario, and that's the obvious pick there, no matter pretty much who's on the board is concerning the corners. But if those guys aren't there, now you're looking at potentially Tevin Jenkins, who, you know, as he puts it, Dane Brugger has is like the 20th ranked prospect, a career right tackle, but a guy that, you know, people like the athleticism, like the nastiness there. And even though he's the 20th ranked prospect, some people have him, you know, as the second or third best tackle in this class. And also Christian Derisaw. And as Daniel Popper puts it in this, some people have him as, you know, the third rated offensive tackle. And it would be not that far of a stretch. But someone like Daniel Jeremiah has him ranked 36th. So he's very volatile as far as that goes and what people see when they turn that tape on. But I want to focus on what's around in the second round in that case. Because he's putting here that there's really only four corners that the Chargers would really have a chance at and consider at that pick saying that Elijah Molden would be more of a slot corner and they're maybe looking for someone who can play outside because they have Chris Harris Jr. And he says those guys are two cornerbacks from Georgia in Eric Stokes and Tyson Campbell, Florida State's Asante Samuel Jr., and then Kentucky's Kelvin Joseph. So we've already talked about Asante Samuel Jr. He's saying that really many people think he's going to be a corner that's going to have to play in a heavy zone defense to be successful. I don't know if I would really agree with that but at the same time I also don't think he's going to be there and then when you're going through the other three corners I mean all have the really good things about them David and all have pretty big flaws as well I would say yeah absolutely I mean anytime you're getting into the second round and you're looking at corner prospects I mean nobody's perfect they all have their issues that they're going to need to correct at the next level but I think the the guys that there that Daniel Popper is bringing up mainly has that big prototypical size that you want to see as an outside corner like Eric Stokes and Campbell are both over six foot one so that was one of the major contributing factors to them and they're both outside corners too I think the Chargers are set on the inside I think they have a couple of guys they feel like can play slot corner but I don't think they are very comfortable with guys on the outside so I think either one of those two two corners uh, from Georgia would be decent picks but I don't know if I would be jumping for joy for either one of them. Yeah, I'm definitely not as high on him. I know that Popper says on here he has one of those guys as the guy he hopes falls to the Chargers, but I kind of felt so-so about both of them. I know that Eric Stokes was really a hot name in the last you know month because he ended up running an unofficial 4-2-5-40. That's obviously nice. You know, that's some speed that you would want, but it's not the same as having speed as like a receiver or something, right, where you take a guy 
just because of that speed. You wouldn't do that really with a corner. Right, you're looking for more some fluidity, right? I mean, I mean yeah, and he was, so. yeah, and he was fine there. I mean, that really wasn't my problem. I mean, the biggest thing I had was, I mean, first of all, I watched the game against Alabama where it just seemed like he was getting destroyed left and right. I mean, that happened to a lot of good corners going up against those wide receivers. But, you know, there's guys a lot more like Jalen Waddle, you know, and Devontae Smith at the next level. And I just thought there was too many times where, he didn't want to tackle. I mean, he basically was a catch tackler. And what I mean by that is he would just catch people as they ran into him and wrapped him up that way, which, you know, he tried to wrap up in those things, but there's no force in those tackles. There wasn't a real willingness to get in on tackles. So the speed there wasn't he was making business. He was making business decisions where he just wanted to get in there on the passing downs and, and try to deflect passes, but he had really had no interest in tackling in the run game. And, I mean, even then, like, he did have four interceptions in 36 games. All of them came in the last season. So, I mean, four interceptions for 2020 is obviously a good number. But outside of those interceptions, I mean, he does have, you know, 26 passes defensed in his time at Georgia. But at the same time, when I was watching him, I didn't see a lot of times where he was making plays on the football. So, I mean, that's one of the things you want to see the most, I think. Asante Samuel Jr. definitely had that. I mean, there's some other guys that definitely have that. And I think it's just hard for me to feel comfortable going with a guy purely based on the athletic skill set when I didn't really think physicality was one of his strengths and really when I watched him. But that could just be me. So the thing is, though, is there's not going to be perfect options when you take a tackle first in the second round when it comes to taking a corner. So if the Chargers end up taking a corner first and an offensive tackle second, if you get J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertan, I think you feel really good about that. If both of those guys are gone, now it becomes a little bit more interesting because Caleb Farley has the injury history that came out recently about back surgeries, and that's always going to scare some teams away. And then the next guy after that is Greg Newsom, who I like. You know, if he was a second-round pick, I'd be ecstatic. But in the first round, that's definitely a reach at this point, too. And then, David, when you come back around, now you're looking at, you know, he put Samuel Cosme. I'd be totally fine with that. Walker Little would absolutely scare me to death just because we haven't seen the guy in two years. And then a couple of other guys I'd feel pretty good about if they made it there would be Dylan Radins, who has also had the hype train kind of take over there. I liked a lot of what I saw from him. And also Brady Christensen's a guy that's also entered that conversation. But really, regardless, I mean, there's a situation where, you know, the top two corners could be gone and the top two tackles could be gone at the Chargers pick. Either way, in the second round, you're starting to deal with situations that if you don't trade up and like secure a guy you really want, you might not like the options available. Yeah, and can you afford to wait? And which need is most important, too? So obviously, that's tackle, right? I mean, from our perspective, it's tackle. I mean, to right. them, it could be something else. But, I mean, it seems pretty obvious that tackle is the big problem. But if you wait to round two, and you know, you might see guys like Sam Cosme out of Texas, who I'm sure John, if he was here, would love. Um, that would but, surprise I mean, me, but I, I've seen it. Like I've seen mock drafts go down that way. Yeah, I've seen it too, but I mean, again, it just doesn't seem realistic with how much how, how much of a premium teams put on tackles and corners. Right. They always get picked way before they should, and you know, you see examples of that every year, like Isaiah Wilson. Hello, that mm-hmm. was a huge, huge reach. But for Sam Cosme, I, I think you know he's a, a mountain of a man. Obviously, he's huge. He's six foot seven. I mean, I I look at him and I think he's just a little bit too thin. I just wish wish there was a little bit more weight behind it. 
I mean, I understand, you know, he's got some good size and, and stuff like that, but I feel like he just needs to get some more strength. And I say that, and then he puts up 36, you know, reps on, on the bench press. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> well, maybe he's not that, uh, maybe he's a little bit stronger than I give him credit for. But I think he's pretty smooth uh, in pass protection. I think he's pretty decent as a run blocker. I think he needs to get the technique down a little bit better in, in run blocking situations, but he definitely has tools to work with. And um, and as far as Walker Little is concerned, I agree with you. I mean, I don't think I want to take anybody who has any real severe injury history. I think the Chargers have done that too many times and have gotten bitten way too many times. So uh, as far as Walker Little, uh, Walker Little is concerned, I don't really have very much interest in him whatsoever. Yeah, and I mean, he's a very polarizing guy, too, because, I mean, I see some places where he's going, you know, third or fourth round, even though at one point he was thought of as a first-round pick and really hasn't played since 2018, which is terrifying to me. But either way, I mean, I think whatever the Chargers do, hopefully they can get one of those big four, I would put it, at 13. Slater, Sewell, Horn, or Sertan. That would solve a lot of things and would give you more flexibility to move up from your pick out in 47 to potentially go get a guy you really like because somebody is going to slip through the cracks at that position. So I just think that that's probably the best case scenario for the Chargers. But either way, I mean, all of these things could get muddy. The best four guys could be taken at 13. You might have to reach for people if you're only going for need. Yet we all know the Chargers really need a left tackle in the corner and a starting corner coming out of those first two rounds of the draft. So it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out, and I don't think we're even done potentially seeing the movement that we've seen so far in the 2021 draft. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. Tomorrow we'll probably get into some voicemails, and there's some other good Charger-specific things we'll be talking about and concerning the draft and potentially free agency as well. But until then, make sure to go follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page Locked On Chargers as well as following us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or the new Odyssey app, which is A-U-D-A-C-Y, taking over the radio.com app. That's the easiest way to get the show and make sure you guys never miss a show with the daily format. If you guys want to get your voicemails on the show, make sure to call in the Locked On Chargers voicemail line. The number is 323-524-7924, and we try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show including potentially tomorrow's show, so make sure to check back in with us then. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.